welcome to the Navigating Betrayal live webinar podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Kaylee Dunn, navigation coach, betrayal trauma therapist for over a decade, and admin of this free group, Humans Navigating Betrayal. Stick around to the end for a short Q&A. Today, I'll be answering the question, could they really love me and betray me at the same time? This was a question that came up in our Facebook group this week. And I wanted to address it. Um, So let's just jump right in as always. I'm going to answer four main questions related to this question. So could they really love me and betray me at the same time? Um, I'm gonna answer why do people betray in the first place? What is love? The big question, what is love? Like what is love? Um, what is compartmentalization? Something that was such a triggering concept to me. It felt like a huge excuse when I was first introduced to it. So I want to talk about it. Um, and for could again, just answering that question, kind of coming to a conclusion, could they love me and betray me at the same time? Is that even possible? So First, let's talk about this experience though, because I think it's one that, again, any of us who've been betrayed in an intimate partnership really grapples with. Whether you leave the relationship, you're in that messy middle, I'm not sure what to do, should I stay or should I go? Or um, you are trying to make it work and trying to stick it out with this partner. This is a huge question. Even years and years later, I've had clients come to me, coaching and therapy clients come and say, Like, I mean, I left this relationship a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And sometimes I still wonder, they claimed, they begged, they, they claim like, I love you. I love you. And then they would turn around and betray me again. Was that possible? Especially if sometimes this happens, sometimes it doesn't, but especially if your intuition has picked up the sense that they do love you and that they we're being really honest and um, real about their feelings of affection towards you. And then they turn around and betray you again, whether that's compulsive behaviors um, or whether that's uh, acting out with the affair partner again, whatever that is. And so these intimate betrayals are just so painful, so confusing so triggering. And as we have this discussion, I want you to know that uh, while I haven't walked in your exact shoes, I I get it, at least to some degree from my own personal experience and then working with thousands of betrayed partners that this is so painful. And if as you're listening to this podcast or YouTube video, if you're here live on the webinar and this conversation becomes triggering, um, it's okay to take breaks from this conversation um, and to just really self-nurture in the way that you need to. And if some of this information lands and you're like, "Ugh, I don't like this. I don't like how this feels. That's okay. Um, You don't have to take it all on right now. You can put it in a box for later. um, Or you can just say, that's not for me. And that's always the case for any helper, coach, therapist, whoever you're working with. If it's not fitting for you in that moment, that's okay. It's time will come uh, or not, right? Because every person has a different story. Okay, so let's get into it. Why do people betray? Honestly, there are only two main reasons why people betray. It really comes down to two main reasons. Um, And it can be a combination or a hybrid, I guess, of these reasons. But really, there's only two things. One is that they're a 
coming to the situation with pure selfishness and entitlement. So your partner um, was raised in a way or um, either, either they witnessed this in their home or they um, in, absorbed this from the content that they consumed, um, I should say, and or, and or they absorbed it from a society, which by the way, does socialize um, people to just be selfish and entitled and feel like because of the amount of money that they earn, because of their gender, because of their um, the color of their skin, that they are entitled to do and act and behave in ways that are um, not okay, right? Um, and they just feel entitled to it and they're purely selfish and they just want to do it. And these people absolutely exist out in the world. Um, they, they really believe that, um, you know, your requests are ridiculous and your pain is whatever. Oh, well, um, you're in pain, suck it up. Like, that's not my problem. And there is just a pure selfishness and entitlement to the way that they navigate life in general. And you're going to see this in basically all elements of their life, right? They treat other people they work with this way. They treat their parents this way. They treat you this way. They treat their children this way. Um, and there's just a, a selfishness and an entitlement there. Granted, there's also the possibility that that selfishness and entitlement can come from sexism, um, or again, the color of their skin, and they see you as lesser than them. And then again, there's an entitlement and a selfishness kind of built into them. Um, and this belief that, you know, I'm better than you, so I can do whatever I want. You're just a this, whatever category they put you in, and your feelings don't matter. That exists. It's real. It's not a diagnosis. It's just a pattern of behavior and attitudes. Those patterns and behaviors and attitudes can change, but often it's kind of like, the water that they swim in, like they're a fish going, what water, right? Um, and it's very difficult for them to navigate that. So that's one experience. Um, and that's one of the reasons people betray. It's just, I want to, I want to have someone on the side and I want to have my cake and eat it too. And um, you need to suck that up. Right. Uh, and they use a lot of excuses like this is my gender or this is how I am, or this is how I was raised. But at the end of the day, they just have this core belief that they're entitled to this. Okay. That's one reason I don't, the people that I see, okay. Who are willing to go to therapy, the people that are willing to go to coaching, the people that I've met in my world, which again is a different world than everywhere. But in that world, that's not the vast majority of people. But that does exist. Um, people who are in this like pure selfishness and entitled space, um, and I don't want to label them as any, there's no label. It's just a way of being. They don't tend to think that they need help. Uh, they don't tend to want help. Um, I mean, no, none of these two groups that I'm going to talk about, I haven't introduced the second group yet. N neither of these two groups really want help. Let's be honest. But um, they're usually not the ones who are going to be going to therapy. Um, they're usually not the ones who are um, going to be getting help. And so I don't see them as often. So I can't tell you what percentage of betraying partners fit into this category versus otherwise. Uh, but 
that is a percentage. And usually they will not seek help. Um, there's always an excuse for um, wanting to get some support and maybe change their mindset. The second group of people, and these are the ones that I've bumped into the most in my career because in terms of the actual um, betraying partners that I've worked with and met in the second category um, are betraying because they're filling a void um, and they are using coping mechanisms that usually started when they were quite young to fill some void. That can be an attachment void where they, uh, for whatever reason, usually just parental mismatch, not necessarily bad parents, but um, due to some parental mismatch, due to life just being hard. And these sexual coping mechanisms just come on the scene when they're young, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, as around that age group where they're running into them and finding, wow, if I get validation from girls or guys, or if I um, seek out uh, pornography and get a, you know, orgasm, and I get a hit from this, then um, I feel better immediately. And I can control how I feel. Um, mm -hmm. That experience, there, there's one other little group, a filling the void group who actually create a void with, with the sexual acting out behaviors. So they may have actually had a really great, really great parents, really great childhood, um, had their attachment needs met, but they get curious, they run into it, it's kind of like happenstance. But then as they continue to seek out, I believe that pornography is traumatic for children to access. So um, there, I don't know what the data is on that, but I imagine that it's traumatic, um, that they're seeking it out and continuing to get those dopamine hits, those serotonin hits, their brain is not developed enough to, to, um, cope with or deal with that in any other way, other than to seek it out again. Um, the sneaking, the lying, all of the things that are tied up into these, uh, these behaviors that, uh, at the time it's just affecting them. So they think, unfortunately, they, they often tend to then struggle in friendships more from, again, from the people that I've worked with, they tend to struggle with friendships more. They tend to have a decrease in attachment with their family because there's now lying and hiding and, um, or sometimes they'll bond with their friends over things like pornography. Um, they'll bond with their friends, but hide it from their parents, right? Some of that you could say, some argue is developmentally normal, right? But ultimately leading to getting into intimate relationships with a, as an adult and um, starting again to hide, to lie, to use these coping mechanisms um, to feel like I, you know, one guy recently, I mean, this is common, but recently one guy reached out and just said like, I'd love to stop looking at pornography, but I can't. If I stop for 24 hours, I am such an angry, raging mess. I scare myself and I scare people in my world. So it can get to the place where it, it um, decreases their pleasure threshold. It, um, so that regular everyday connection, regular everyday um, life does not hit. <laughs> They're not feeling it. And um, they can get to the point where that's how they cope with life. And so when you take that away, there's those with basically, for lack of a better term, withdrawal symptoms um, that are going on. So these two different groups, right? We have the pure selfishness and entitlement. And then we have the people that are trying to fill a void and feel trapped and stuck in the behaviors. 
Um, they kind of hate those people in the second group. They kind of hate the behavior. They kind of hate that they're acting out in the ways that they're acting out. They hate themselves. Um, and, uh, but they keep doing it. Now, I will say that both groups look like the selfish and entitled group. This is why it's so hard. When someone is continually numbing themselves out, they do become, they do have these entitled attitudes. They do have these selfish attitudes. Um, and they do say things and use selfishness, entitlement, and verbal abuse to protect that void filling um, experience, right? And so what we found that has happened over the last 20 years as um, helpers, therapists, researchers have tried to understand this phenomenon of cheating and betrayal, uh, infidelity, uh, hidden porn use, uh, is really focusing on this group who will actually show up, the group that shows up and, and kind of got the, the, the industry, for lack of a better term, has gotten a soft spot in their heart for these people who are trying to fill voids and, and well, you know, they're doing these behaviors because these abusive behaviors because blah, 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 blah. Uh, at the end of the day, abusive behaviors aren't okay. So I hope you know, hear that from me. Um, even if it's due to filling the void and it's due to these old coping mechanisms that are holding true. And you might call that compulsive. You might call that addiction. You might not, depending on your circumstance and situation. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the entitlement attitudes of the selfishness have to be rooted out just as well as the betraying behaviors. But, but that's not the conversation we're having. So I'm just describing why do people betray? Sometimes it's due to just pure entitlement and selfishness. Sometimes it's due to filling a void. And sometimes you'll never know because the person isn't going to do the work and you just kind of have to assume maybe it's just just what we see on the surface and just what we see in the surface is the selfishness and entitlement i'll draw a picture of that in a minute but so let's answer so there's there's that part of it right and i hope what you're hearing in all of this is that the reason people betray is not because you were not good enough in the relationship it's not because you weren't pretty enough it's not because you weren't uh smart enough it's not because you weren't um sexual enough none of those reasons now, sometimes you might be like, well, he started or she started while we were in the marriage. Like, as far as I know, they didn't cheat on a prior boyfriend or as far as I know, they didn't look at porn before. Okay, so first of all, that's as far as you know, um, <laughs> because the vast majority of the time there were things that were going on and they did a really great job of hiding those from you and sometimes from themselves. Um, and the other part is even if it did start in the relationship, it's still not on you. Uh, you didn't cause them to make these choices. Period.